0: Content warning. This episode contains discussion of rape, murder, suicide, abortion, and miscarriage. It also contains frequent sexual references, adult humour, and strong language throughout. This is intended for a mature audience. And welcome to is it art though the art history podcast that keeps your highbrow on fleek i'm ellie and i'm augustina and together we're going to be discussing some of the wilder aspects of art history whilst also trying to shoehorn in as many pop culture references as possible
1: yeah at least one wap reference a episode, a
0: episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that should be like your personal goal
1: i definitely bring up wap a lot more often than is necessary And if I can try and relate it to I think my peak would be if I can write some kind of academic paper on how WAP and Courbet's Origin du Monde (laughs) are both sort of just trying to achieve the same thing.
0: (laughs) So today we're going to discuss actually one of my favourite painters, Frida Kahlo, who is also the cat's namesake. The cat that will come up a lot during this podcast is named Frida Kahlo because I got her when I was like in my early 20s and I thought that was really clever. (laughs) (laughs) What I didn't realise is that uh, from the moment I called her Frida Kahlo, the the die was cast, I now have an insane cat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, so I I found out the name for this, nominative determinism, (laughs) when you literally become the name you were given.
0: (laughs) So I'm pretty sure that the spirit of Frida Kahlo is alive and well in my batshit cat. (laughs) (laughs)
1: She's possessed.
0: The cat She's possessed the cat. So my cat is bad tempered. um My cat is my cat actually has a broken leg. You just jumped out of your skin, and I thought it was the cat. I was so like, oh I. god, what's happening?
1: So did I. <laughs> it wasn't. It was just my phone vibrating. <laughs> but this is. I mean, I'm on. I'm on edge. This cat literally, like, when the first time I moved, the first time I came back home after living in the flat for like a month, my mum was like. You are so jumpy. Literally, every time I touch you, you jump out of your skin. I was like, you don't know what it's like living with this cat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So my cat is bad tempered. She's violent. She has, um, she had quite a traumatic accident in her life, which has caused her to have a broken leg that's never healed.
1: Which an accident that has definitely cast a shadow over the rest of her life yes
0: absolutely she is um yeah she's insane and I'm pretty sure she's channeling the spirit of Frida Kahlo every day
1: Mm. I think I think you're right in so many ways
0: (laughs) she's also wildly possessive uh and jealous and...
1: and also I was saying this before the only cat I've ever met who is not scared of her own reflection.
0: Yeah, no, actually very into her own reflection. Yeah, another Frida Kahlo trait. She's um yeah, she she's she's crazy. <laughs>
1: Deeply into herself. <laughs>
0: Deeply into herself.
1: Also does yeah, wants all attention to be on her
0: all the time at all points. Yeah.
1: And was is in the middle of a room. That's something that's quite funny about the cat. Doesn't matter where we are in the room. We... She's got to
0: be in the centre because locates... she has to be the centre of attention. She
1: locates the middle point, wherever that is. And she will sit bang in the middle of us both. Where should we start with Frida Kahlo? Where are you going to begin her story? I thought
0: I would just kind of set the scene a little bit about... Kind of who frida Kahlo has become um and then i thought i would go into her autobiography mm-hmm. so um i clearly have quite a fascination with frida carlo as i say she is one of my favorite painters um, but it wasn't actually until i started researching today's episode that i remembered how much i love frida and why I fell in love with her to begin with. Because mm. I think perversely, it's actually really easy to forget how groundbreaking the woman and her art was. Because she's become such a ubiquitous pop culture figure. <laughs> yeah, you can literally get
1: like... or <laughs> well, you have a cat toy with her face on. <laughs> yeah. but that... The, the other Frida routinely attacks.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's like, she's on everything. It's insane. So she's sort of become like that Joy Division t-shirt actually that everybody has. Or that kind mm. of silhouette image of Che Guevara that you see everywhere. So what might have started out as some sort of counterculture symbol has just become extremely co-opted and sanitized to the point where it really retains little if any of its original meaning.
1: Yeah, I also think I mean we'll go into this later about Frida's politics, but the idea that her face is reproduced on so many different things is literally like the opposite of Well, I think she would be conflicted. Look, she'd be, yeah, so she yeah, so she would fucking love her face all <laughs> over everything, Perfect. but she'd be like so she went yeah like
0: this is this is a capitalist implications of it yeah this is a thing that i talk about (laughs) it's like there's quite a dichotomy because in some ways you're like oh these guys never talk about frida's art like you never talk about frida's politics and who she was as a human when she was alive yeah but also at the same time she was like the selfie queen and she was yeah. really into, like, creating her own PR. And, like, she was a complete attention whore. Yeah. And I say that with, <laughs> with, like, the greatest affection. with the greatest affection. She was an unbelievable attention whore. So I do think that, yeah, you're right. She would be conflicted. I think she enjoys the press. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, as I said, like, rarely do you ever hear people talking about the art. Which I do think is a shame. Because the art is, um... Okay, I'll be honest, the art is fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) The art is really, really weird. But it's also outstanding and it's raw, it's defiant and it's painful. So Diego famously said of Frida's work, never before had a woman put such agonising poetry on canvas as Frida did. And I also think I remember hearing a quote from Diego, which I now can't find anywhere if I'm being honest. So maybe I just made it up in my head. But I kind of remember it going... um, no one paints the unique pain of women the way Frida does. Ooh. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of think that's true and possibly a large part of her enduring popularity amongst women. Yeah. So, Frida in her lifetime, as you'll like come to see throughout this episode, experienced sharply both the unbelievable highs and lows of being a woman, which I can only assume were compounded by the fact she was like a queer woman of colour living in the time that she was living in. Mm. And people, again, I don't think give enough credit for that. It's easy to forget how phenomenal she was because we live when we live. But she was growing up in the 20s and 30s and she was, do you know what I mean? Like she yeah. was, it's it's kind of insane. Like she was openly having affairs with women, which is just kind of insane in and of itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she, um, you know... Like, she managed to just sort of glitz everybody into loving her, despite the fact she dressed like a Mexican peasant um, and was clearly a woman of colour. Love, betrayal, infidelity, male violence, infertility, miscarriage, but also beauty, strength, defiance. These are all themes that are there in her art. And they're there in her art in really quite an astonishingly unfiltered way. Mm. Frida was never one to sit down and shut up much like the cat (laughs) um yeah and because her work is autobiographical it's kind of impossible to talk about without talking about her really quite extraordinary life at the same time yeah so what i am gonna do is i'm gonna run through her biography and as i do it i'm gonna kind of try to pull art into it as i go okay so um oh just to like apologize i am sorry i'll just get this (laughs) out of the way right now A lot of these pronunciations are very, very, very uh, Spanish. And I do not speak Spanish. So (laughs) I don't mean to offend entire nations of people, but I am going to mispronounce
1: a lot of stuff. For any future listeners, we may have in Mexico. (laughs) If this ever gets that far, we apologise to the nation of Mexico. Magdalena,
0: Carmen, Frida, Carlo, Calderon better known as Frida Kahlo, was born just outside Mexico City in 1907. Frida was born in a revolutionary epoch, which is massively important to understanding who she became as an adult interestingly she would often lie and pretend that she was born in 1910 which is <laughs> <laughs> which was the year of the mexican revolution which overthrew yeah, of she did. <laughs> <laughs> so like it overthrew diaz's 31 year military dictatorship and she would lie and pretend that she was born in 1910 so she could describe herself as a child of the revolution <laughs> um Frida spent her early formative years growing up in a Mexico that was dominated by armed uprisings, mass strikes, coups and a civil war. Then, in 1917, Mexico formed its constitution, which ushered in an age of liberalisation, including land reform, protections for organised labour movement and um, a separation of state from the stranglehold of the Catholic Church. And they also kind of introduced mass educational policies at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And whilst it never actually tipped over into being a socialist state, Mexico did flirt heavily with the newly formed Soviet Union, including doing things like having the state produce Marxist-Leninist propaganda, painting murals of Marx and Lenin in official official government buildings... (laughs) And uh, having peasants and workers formed armed militias to uh, protect against counter-revolutionary forces, which could you imagine just like nip into the post office and there's like a great bloody mural <laughs> of Marx and Lenin, <laughs> or like having to go over to like the DWP or something, and like Engels is painted on the wall. It must have been crazy. <laughs>
1: also, I like how you said. Uh... Mexico flirted heavily with the Soviet Union, (laughs) which I feel is
0: a... Oh, it's it's foreshadowing. It is. Soon to come.
1: Another storyline that is yet to come. (laughs) (laughs) All of this kind
0: of led to the American government quite hysterically, I think, labelling Mexico as a Bolshevik state in 1927, despite the fact that even at its most radical point in 1935... Mexico continued to run uh, like a mixed economy compri- comprised of some agrarian socialism and some industrial capitalism and I think probably one of the reasons why America was going so mental is this is kind of 10 years before McCarthyism right but you can you can see that kind of ramp up into McCarthyism and, and you made actually I think quite a salient point when we were off when we were off air yeah um about it being kind of bang in the middle of uh the great depression and so people they must have been quite worried because in times of economic crisis people's political um
1: people like polarize yeah they do they
0: polarize i i I think as we're seeing quite at the moment this must have been an absolutely electric atmosphere for frida to have grown up in Mm. um and you know right from the beginning frida was a weird confident child <laughs> uh, she was a rebel she was a cross-dresser and to the dismay of her strictly catholic mother she was also a staunch atheist oh which dear. Uh, yeah apparently <laughs> just drove her mother crazy <laughs> she was also uh, very artistic which was heavily encouraged by her father and actually to be fair to a lesser extent her mother who i think it's safe to say ha- she had quite a like a like a difficult relationship with mm. um frida's mother was mexican with mixed native american heritage and these native roots were something frida played up a lot during her lifetime mm-hmm. however her father was a german immigrant um and so you get more of that kind of there's more of that european side Which, um, I think she either tried to downplay or she also tried to claim that her father was of Hungarian Jewish descent. Okay.
1: Um,
0: however, nobody has ever proved that. And it's actually believed that her father was a German Lutheran.
1: Right. So
0: this is just, (laughs)
1: like... (laughs) She's just given herself a a jazzy new European identity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I
0: think, um, yeah... So, I once heard, like, Blind Boy say, and I think maybe that this is a little bit of what Frida was doing. I once heard Blind Boy say on his podcast that, like, one of the reasons everybody loves to claim they're Irish is, like, you get all of the privilege of being white with none of the guilt. And I think that's <laughs> possibly what, like, Frida was doing when she was trying to claim that her father was a Hungarian Jew.
1: Yeah, I guess by that point as well. So, what, she was born in 1907 and the First World War ended in 1980. 18, so by the time she would have been like a teenager or you know, an adult, would have been like after the end of the First World War, and I guess Germany didn't come out of that one too well. So I think she was like, Yeah, Hungarian Jew. Hungarian Jew. <laughs> um, although, to
0: her credit, and I will say this, like what in her letters that she writes, and we'll kind of get to this later on, in her letters that she writes when she's in Detroit, in uh, America. One of the things that she is constantly sort of ruling against and giving out about is uh, the anti-Semitic treatment of Jews in Detroit. Mm. So she clearly did care yeah. about uh, kind of Jewish people. and But she did al- also lie about British Jewish, <laughs> which is quite problematic. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> So, and again, this is something that you will find coming up again and again when you're researching Frida. It's really hard to separate the facts from her own mythologizing about her life. Mm-hmm. It's likely Frida was born with spina, dif- spina, spina diffida, Sp- <laughs> spina bifida, according to surviving medical records. However, most people attribute her physical deformities to a bout of polio in childhood okay. that left her with like a shriveled and underdeveloped right leg. And this had a number of, like, really important impacts on Frida. Firstly, it kicked off a lifelong war with her own body that would really go on to colour every aspect of the rest of her life. It marked her out as different to her peer group and was a source of bullying throughout her childhood. It also meant that she spent long periods of her childhood in isolation. Because she couldn't run and play with other children due to her leg. Mm. Um, And I think really importantly, it implanted in her head this idea that she was a financial and physical burden on her loved ones. And this is a feeling that would only intensify throughout her life. Especially after the kind of infamous buggy crash that everybody knows
1: about. Right.
0: Freedom move schools a lot she was expelled from at least one school due to disobedience and then she was removed from another school um unfortunately due to sexual abuse um so okay. she suffered sexual abuse in this school eventually she was admitted to an elite preparatory school and she was one of only 35 girls who were permitted to attend that school at the time um and here she really excelled although she was studying to be a doctor she also immersed herself in art and literature And it's also at this school that she became deeply interested in Mexican history, culture and political activism, Mm -hmm. adopting an indigenismo political outlook, which uh, was extremely popular in post-revolutionary Mexican politics. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of an idea that indigenous people should have a say over the rule of themselves and the country and that people should embrace indigenous culture, art, history, heritage, that sort of stuff so her and her schoolmates actually formed their
1: own little club oh with, another club it's <laughs> another secret society <laughs> i think this is gonna be <laughs> I think it's gonna be like a pattern in our in this podcast going forward it will be i think we'll see secret societies monkeys <laughs> So it's going to be at least one monkey in the freezer. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, Fuck boys. Fuck boys. So many fuck boys. Um, So their own little club was called the Cachuchas. And interestingly, a lot of the Cachuchas actually went on to be leading Mexican intellectuals and political activists. Mm. So Frida fell in love with the rebellious... um, and like quite handsome leader of the Cachuchas, who was called Alejandro Gomez Um, and he became her, her first boyfriend. So, on September the 17th, 1925, when Frida was about 18, she was traveling home from school with Gomez when an electric car crashed into the side of the bus that they were traveling on, mm-hmm. dragging it down the street and instantly killing many of the passengers on board. Mm-hmm yeah it's, it's it was pretty grim somehow miraculously gomez ended up getting out of the crash with only like a few minor scratches but frida was gravely injured so an iron handrail became detached from the bus and it kind of implant it, it impaled her um and it ended up going through her pelvis fracturing it and also punching puncturing her abdomen and her uterus god as well as this her spine was broken in six places her leg was broken in 11 places her shoulder was dislocated and her collarbone was smashed to pieces Mm -mm. the buggy crash is one of the most famous events of frida's life and for good reason it physically destroyed her body and left her in tremendous chronic pain that would that would act as the inspiration behind many of her most famous paintings yeah But perhaps most importantly, it was during her convalescence that she began to seriously paint. For months, Frida was completely bed bound. She was in traction. She she couldn't move. She couldn't do anything. And it was during this period that her mother did two very important things. So firstly, she bought Frida a specially made easel that she could use while she was in bed. And also, she had a mirror installed above Frida's head so she could look at herself while she was in bed. Mm. And this is where you start to see the birth of Frida Kahlo, the self-portraitist. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: all she could still see was herself. All she could feel was her pain. And so that's what she painted. Famously saying once, I paint myself because I am often alone and I am the subject that I know best. So if you take, for instance one of the most instantly recognizable carlo paintings which is the broken column yep. and this was painted in 1944 and here we see frida alone in a kind of isolated barren wilderness and she's wearing a body brace mm. but her torso split open in a jagged tear and it's given us a look at what's happening on the inside where her spine should be there's a cracked and crumbling greek column holding her body upright yeah her face is anguished, it's drenched in tears, um, and the bits of her flesh that remain in one piece are all, like, pierced by iron nails. I really like this painting. It kind of fascinates me because it's almost a perfect microcosm of Friderisms. Mm. On one hand, it's very clearly about her failing body and was, in fact, painted just after she underwent major surgery on her spine. But there's also so much more going on here.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I don't know about you, But I can't help seeing the barren landscape as kind of a metaphor for her inability to bring a pregnancy to term. Mm -hmm. So her fertility is a theme that features heavily throughout her work. And it's something that she was like deeply ambivalent about during her life. And it is also a direct result of the buggy crash because the handrail went straight through her uterus. Mm, Yeah. Um, I also
1: like how... I feel like we've already got a couple of Baim Dixonisms in already. <laughs> we've had one microcosm. Yeah. <laughs> and you've seen something in the painting that's symbolic of the painter's state of mind, which is very Bayham-Dixon-y. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that That's true. I I'm ch- I was channeling bayham Dixon while I was writing this. I was uh, not, not like, <laughs> <the
1: concepts. laughs> "Send me a spirit." Send me a spirit. <laughs>
0: I also don't believe that the classical European style of the columns accidental either. Frida was acutely aware of the role of European colonialism in Mexico and it's something that she actively kicked against in her art by adopting a folksy style of painting and her personal life by dressing in traditional Mexican peasant clothing. Um, and this is where the kind of the big braids and the famous flowers and, and all of that stuff to do with her hair came from. They were used as... A way of signalling her native ancestry. Mm. She also chose to dress in the traditional style of the Itzamus women of Tachutepec, which I've definitely garbled. These were a people who were believed to have run a more kind of like matriarchal form of society. Mm. So she's, she's dressing in traditional native wear, but she's also s- like signalling her feminist politics in the way that she does yeah. it
1: that's cool
0: yeah and so like frida's look was absolutely not accidental it was all part of her and diego's very like cultivated drive to present themselves as true pure mexicans Mm. mexicans who are no longer under the influence of spain
1: yeah oh by the way while we're here um diego is diego rivera who is frida carlo's husband who we are gonna Learn so much about later. Oh, we
0: are going to explore him deeply.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> he was also a famous artist, famous muralist, just if you yeah. don't know who Frida Kahlo's husband was. Um, yeah, so I
0: don't think that the, like I said, I don't think the European style of the, co- uh, of the column is accidental. And I think actually, perhaps, the broken column is a commentary on Mexico's fracturous relationship with its own colonial past. Mm-hmm um yeah as i say like frida she was a staunch atheist yet this painting is chocked full of catholic imagery which is something you will see over and over again in frida paintings there's more of a there's more than just a hint of iconography to her self-portraits frida is the main focus of the painting and has clearly painted herself as the martyr here like her face is covered in tears which it, it, it that's not unlike the depictions you get of christ crying on the cross mm. and her body is punctured all over by iron nails there's blood dripping from the holes mm. um a visual representation of the pain that she was suffering through yes of course but also quite clearly a comparison to herself as the crucified jesus
1: yeah she's also got that kind of like little drapey bit of fabric like a loincloth yeah. even even that's a bit like you know when you see pictures of the crucifixion yeah yeah Christ has always got like a little a little drapey bit of fabric
0: which again is just so free like again like again a theme that we will have come up so much in the podcast is artists are just fucking extra <laughs> like, they're so extra and Frida's like I'm Jesus <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah not to you know myself up too much but i'm basically basically christ
0: (laughs) (laughs) the bus accident ended frida's dreams of becoming a doctor and while she did briefly flirt with the idea of instead becoming a medical illustrator this was the point at which frida began to seriously consider painting as a career so once frida's period of um enforced bed rest and ended in 1927 She ended up joining the Mexican Communist Party, along with her school friends. You know that lovely secret little club (laughs) she formed? Yeah. Yeah, they all went off and joined the Mexican Communist Party. Um, And this is where she would properly meet the love of her life and twice-husband, Diego Rivera. So they did actually weirdly i think meet briefly when frida was a very young teenager at school mm-hmm. and diego yeah there, there is like is this,
1: gonna, this is gonna be like, i think we're, we're already seeing so many themes in this podcast <laughs> but problematic relationships is yeah. gonna be another one yeah.
0: so oh. frida was frida was very young at school and diego was commissioned to paint a mural at their school and that's when they first met each other now to diego's credit i think he basically saw her as a bit of an annoyance because yeah. one of the things that her little like secret society like to do is like pull pranks on people mm. so that was like their way of sticking it to the man <laughs> like oh so cool and so i think they did i i think he did kind of at the time just see frida as a, like a like a bit of an annoyance um and didn't really see her sexually yeah so it wasn't until, um, a mutual comrade of theirs hosted a party in 1928 that the, f- the two were properly formally introduced. Yeah. And, um, Diego was already a really famous artist at the time and Frida definitely pursued him. Frida went out of her way to get his attention, apparently because she wanted to get his kind of artistic advice. She was especially keen to know if Diego saw a commu- commercial future in her work because Frida, as I said, was very motivated to pay her own ever-expanding medical bills. Mm. And to Diego's credit, and this is kind of the last time I will say that, because as the story <laughs> unfolds, there's not going to be a Three words lot
1: of- you're not going to hear very often.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to Diego's credit, from the very beginning of their relationship, he was down for Frida's art. Mm. So um, he acted as her mentor, her cheerleader, and her patron.
1: I am really interested, actually, that... decided to pursue a career as an artist as a way to pay medical bills because you would assume that an artist... Doesn't just doesn't that do much. that so
0: i think one of the things that might have colored this because i thought that i was like that's the work. like surely you're <laughs> yeah. better off being a doctor yeah
1: like, doctors
0: will actually earn money like you're and and for most of frida's life she wasn't
1: self-sufficient
0: yeah so but i think one of the things that colored it is her dad was a photographer and he actually did uh... make quite a nice middle class living off it right okay so i don't think it was seen as like the wildest kind of career choice at the time although it is also also true that the family really suffered financially after the Mexican Revolution, Mm. because one of the things that, one of the things that meant that they lived quite a nice middle class life is that Diaz's kind of government i don't know Mm. like the diaz administration was commissioning frida's dad's work
1: right okay Okay. and then
0: once that was overthrown they did suffer financially yeah so it it, it, yeah you're right like it totally struck me as like the weirdest choice if you're trying to make money yeah (laughs) Like most people who are like i i have to paint because i'm an artist i kind of know they're going to be eating cold beans for the rest of their life
1: also i like that she was like I need to support myself as an artist so I'm going to paint pictures of me as like a creepy adult baby being (laughs) breastfed by a giant like
0: the commercial
1: future is clear yeah like so uh, so the picture I'm talking about is 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 actually it's one of probably one of the earlier ones we're going to talk about in this episode it's called my nurse and I it this is so disgusting I know it's painted in 1937 and it's lit <laughs> her head is like a third of the length of the whole body so she's got this weird like what the fuck I mean and then she was like yeah so basically I'm trying to like you know paint to like pay my bills and it's like okay so uh, show, show us what you got then and she's like well there's this painting of me But I'm a giant baby (laughs) and a woman in a sort of really scary looking mask is like, is breastfeeding me and you can see all of her milk glands in one of her breasts and... She's also, like, lactating on me. So that's one. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: there's, like, this really famous story. And I'm jumping around a bit. But this is exactly what I'm talking about. She's like, oh, I'm painting to pay my bills. And then she actually gets a commission from, like, the editor of Vanity Fair or something. So, like, (laughs) a really important, like, glitterati American person. Yeah. And she's like, I would like you to paint a, um, like, a tribute (gasps) for my friend who committed suicide. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, my my dead friend. I would like... so. (laughs) Obviously she's thinking she's gonna get a lovely portrait of her dead friend frida paints literally a blow-by-blow blow account of the friend's suicide <laughs> so, she like, so it's like a skyscraper and you see the woman in tiny at the top sort of throwing herself out of the window and then you see her at pe- various points in the canvas um like sort of falling down and then you see sake. her broken bloodied body in quite big at the bottom of the canvas and clearly she takes this to the woman who's commissioned horrified what do you
1: think she's
0: absolutely (laughs) horrified by this painting and frida's like i don't get it like this is exactly what you asked me for i
1: I fulfilled the brief (laughs) paint a picture of your suicidal friend (laughs) i don't know what i i i I don't know i feel like we've got some wires crossed here (laughs) i don't know why you're crying (laughs) I do feel like someone has said like oh like let's paint a lovely picture of me and my husband and it's like oh so how have you done it well what I've done is painted me but with your face in the middle of my forehead <laughs> What do you think, darling? <laughs> it's so
0: funny because you're right. Like this is another this is this is like another thing about Frida that never gets mentioned anymore because everybody just thinks you know because you don't even see Frida's paintings though, you just see her monobrow everywhere. And exactly. Going, oh, oh,
1: so girl power, so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice Yeah.
0: Look at her flowers, man. She's like so girl power, and then you look at her art and you're like, this the is fucking fuck? mental. <laughs> like, this absolutely yeah. mental shit. Like, and you're right. Like and that story cracks me up apparently and it could have been such a huge commission for her and she would would have made so much money and she was just like no (laughs) Uh, apparently uh the woman was gonna destroy it and she got talked out of it by one of her friends who was like i know you're upset but it actually strikes me that this woman's quite an important artist and her work's gonna be important so keep it so the clever, business savvy, like American yeah. uh, capitalists, were like, "Actually, all right, I don't want to look at it, but I'll stick it in a safe," and so it never ended up getting destroyed.
1: Oh, I mean, that's good. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> um, yeah, just I can't. <laughs> honestly, I looked up before we started recording, so I do. I actually don't know Frida Kahlo's paintings that well, to be fair. So I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of them, you know, maybe for the second, third time yeah. ever. And <laughs> really weird. <laughs> like, this is weird one. I showed you the weird one of like hers and Diego's faces like spliced together <laughs> to make one head.
0: Yeah. And like it's not even like they look like each other. It's
1: so weird. <laughs> it's look at so it. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. And she put it in a weird little like a frame with shells. Why is there shells on it? Like I, I, I don't, don't know. know. And also she's written things. She's. Oh, she's written things on it. Hang on, let me zoom in. Yeah. Oh, it's to celebrate like their marriage, I think, or something. So it <laughs> says...
0: Could you imagine getting that for your anniversary? <laughs> I love you forever.
1: <laughs> Here are our faces chopped together. <laughs> and also, what was it? It's like twigs and like some shells. And then, yeah, it says Diego Frida, 1929 1944. So is this celebrating like the fucking end of their marriage? Or is this like a she divorce? Dies, yeah. Is this well, like she, a divorce present? Or uh, when does she die again? She dies in forty-five, I think. So oh God! Not, I think
0: probably that's the, that's in the last phase of their marriage where they're all right with each
1: other. Okay. I mean, though, by you know. Yeah. If that's an anniversary present or something, <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if that's... He's probably, by that point, he'd been married to her so long, he's probably used to it by now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so well, something oh. kept him coming back. <laughs> yeah, Fr- batshit Fre- painting. Yeah. Well, Frida's the classic, like, crazy hot Matrix. Like, she's... Yeah. Yeah, she's the classic kind of, like, compelling, but clearly batshit crazy. <laughs> 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 kind of. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, free. Uh, Diego said of Frida's work that they showed um, an unusual energy of an of expression, an artistic personality of their own. That's for bloody sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it was obvious to him that this girl was an authentic artist. Um, but Diego was also a notorious womanizer, which is mental.
1: I like, mean, look him up he's, right now. He's pause so this. Worried. Yeah, he just <laughs> Google. Diego Rivera, look at a picture of him, come back. <laughs> come
0: back. He shagged thousands of women. I mean, he is, is that
1: by his own admission, though? Are you... Be- is it like what? Mick Hucknall saying yeah. he
0: shagged thousands of women? <laughs> <laughs> he was just at it constantly. And he is so ugly. Like, I don't know how he managed to get away with it. Um yeah he also when he met frida he was 20 years her senior and already had two common law wives (laughs) and despite this frida was like there's the man for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they were married on the 21st of august 1929 Mm -hmm. uh and a weirder physical pairing you honestly couldn't imagine like i said diego was huge he was monstrously fat he was incredibly tall and he was boggly um he had a f- he has a face like a toad like he's got these big, he's somehow simultaneously got bulging and lazy eyes. I'm like, I don't understand how they could do both. Like they're horrible. Like one of his eyes is up here and the other one's kind of like down there. It looks like his face is melted. Like I don't understand. I
1: mean, you think that if you look at any paintings of Diego that Frida's done, despite her weird style, she's somehow quite kind. Like she does, she does paint a kind portrait of him. She makes him look. I mean, she makes a weird-looking man look normal in some weird-as-fuck paintings. Yeah. Diego's face is, in many ways, the least surreal part of her painting, <laughs> But in real life, one of the most surreal <laughs> things you've ever seen. Yeah. To be fair, speaking of catfishes in in adaptations, Alfred Molina, probably, you know, not the most good-looking guy, but... But way better looking. Way better looking than that. I
0: remember thinking that, like I remember when I saw the film for the first time, I was like, They've been really, really charitable (laughs) to Diego. Like, he does not look like that in real life. Yeah. So you've got this monster (laughs) toad face man who was basically married to a really tiny fragile woman who you wouldn't you couldn't describe as like classically beautiful Mm. by any stretch of the imagination but she did definitely have a certain like je ne sais quoi yeah Um,
1: very striking
0: she's very striking and yeah like very petite very fragile tiny little woman And this actually led to her parents comparing their union to that of a marriage, to, yeah, a marriage uh, between an elephant and a dove, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is something that stuck. Like, people used to call them the elephant and the dove. Um, It's hard not to romanticise Frida and Diego's relationship, because theirs was a fierce, passionate, obsessive love that really never burnt out throughout their whole lives, But I also think I have a responsibility to point out right now that their relationship was deeply emotionally abusive. um, And this was a fact that they were both very aware of. So Diego once said, if I ever loved a woman, the more I loved her, the more I wanted to hurt her.
1: (laughs) For fuck's sake.
0: Yeah. Frida was only the most obvious victim of this disgusting trait. And Frida said of their relationship, there has been two great accidents in my life. One was the trolley and the other was Diego. Diego is by far the worst. <laughs> but she also said, and this one really makes me laugh because it just does, um, she said, Diego is nobody's husband and never will be. But he is a good comrade. <laughs> Which I thought, yeah, that one really makes me chuckle.
1: I like that maybe in the later stage of their life she's like, I don't know, I just I just see you as a comrade. <laughs>
0: shortly before their marriage, Diego was expelled from the communist party over his support of the left opposition and the third international. so the third international was an international organization that advocated for world communism. it was formed in 1919, fresh off the back of the 1917 bolshevik revolution in russia. so the third international was made up of various communist and socialist parties from around the world and headed up by the Bolsheviks or the the Russian Communist Party. So by 1923, splits were beginning to take hold in the international, which were hugely intensified by the power struggle that was triggered by the failing health and eventual death of Soviet leader Vladimir Lenin. I am about to massively oversimplify a very complicated situation for the sake of expediency. But the left opposition faction opposed Stalin's economic policies, especially the Stalinist policy of maintaining socialism in one country, which is a shift away from the sort of classically Marxist idea that socialism can only work on a global scale. Okay. So... It's actually really interesting to me that Diego and Frida were early adopters of what would go on to be known as Trotskyism, Mm -hmm. which is a school of communist thought that sees itself in opposition to Stalin's rule over the Soviet Union. This was not at all a cool or popular thing to be. People were not lining up to call Stalin a prick in 1928, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) And although Stalin hadn't quite graduated to the era of the Great Purges, where he was just like routinely murdering his opponents criticising him would still get you expelled from the communist party as it did with diego or even exiled from your country as it did with leon trotsky
1: did leon trotsky write a pamphlet called stalin's a prick <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's kind of the high and low of it <laughs> so the, the, the trotsky collected works could just be called <laughs> stalin's a prick <laughs> Um, due to Diego already being so famous, um, their marriage did propel Frida to this kind of stardom long before she was ever recognised as a painter in her own right. There was something about the force and presence of Frida that made the press notice her. It actually kind of reminds me quite a lot of Amber Rose, who I am obsessed with and will one day make my wife if, <laughs> if all goes according to plan. So Amber Rose became instantly famous when she started dating like the rapper Kanye West, and people love to shock shade at Amber Rose and they love to say, you know, she's only famous for for banging rappers, mm. which in a stricter sense is true. However, the press didn't go nuts over her for no reason. Kanye dated thousands of women before uh, Amber Rose and none of them went on to be super famous. Mm. She has a fascinating quality about her and it's one that I think Frida shared. Yeah. These are the sort of women you can't help but pay attention to. And Frida knew this and she actively courted it. So this goes back to this idea of like Frida being quite the attention whore. Like she loves Mm. to be the centre of attention.
1: They both rock a good short haircut as well. Yeah, they do. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they both rock a great shaved head look. (laughs) So by the time Frida and Diego went to America in 1931... They were kind of the bells of the high society ball. Um, They were spoiled rotten by art collectors and whatever, like, the 30s equivalent of influencers were. Mm. The American press were completely enamoured with Frida. Who, in turn, played the role of the controversial woman extremely well. Saying to the Detroit News in 33, of course he, referring to Diego... Does well for a little boy. But it is I who am the big artist. <laughs> um, so she's, she's this really outspoken. Ballsy woman in the
1: 1930s. Do you think that's what Frida says to people when they come and visit our flat? <laughs> <laughs> She's
0: like, well, of course they do well for humans. <laughs> but it's I
1: am the superior being and she, in this flat.
0: <laughs> she, courts controversy the of way Frida Carlo. She, she loves it. Sometimes I think she just acts, she, you just act like a brat for attention, don't you? She's like, yes. oh, me. <laughs> I'm here now to act like a brat. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Diego absolutely loved America because he's kind of the epitome of the champagne socialist. So he loved the expensive things, the attention, the parties in his honour and all the trappings of fame. Especially the women. He loved the women chucking Mm -hmm. themselves at him.
1: He's like, this is why I got into murals for the pussy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, I thought art would be a nice, steady career for me. Diego's like, i going to intermurals for the pussy. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. The States were quite a hard time for Frida, I think. She disliked being wined and dined by capitalists and industrialists. She found Americans boring and stifling and was actually quite, like, disgusted by the obscene opulence and extreme Mm. inequality that she saw in
1: America. I guess also, if you imagine, like, her look is so, like, in-your-face Mexican, and if that's how she kind of just rolled, like, around America, I imagine that loads of Americans must have been like, oh, that's so cute, that's so quaint... I imagine that in a way they were almost such big stars in like a, a bit of a tokenistic way. Oh,
0: definitely. So she
1: probably just hated that as well, especially given their like their politics. It's kind of like, it's almost like, yeah, is willing to kind of swallow it because he's getting wined and dined and he's getting money to come and do big commissions, which we'll get to in a sec. But like, yeah, I can imagine that if, your whole life is just going to parties where people are kind of patronising you. It's going to just become quite soul-destroying.
0: Yeah. So she actually wrote to one of her friends when she was in America saying, although I'm very interested in all the industrial and mechanical development of the United States, I feel rage against all the rich guys here. Since I have seen thousands of people in the most terrible misery without anything to eat and with no place to sleep this is what has impressed me most here it's terrifying to see the rich have parties all day and night whilst thousands and thousands of people are dying of hunger Mm. so she never she never really could quite bury her politics and just sort of go along with the glitz and glamour of it all yeah not to mention, Diego was ignoring her while he was off gallivanting and literally shagging everything that moved. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure Diego, like, so, just—he would have—he's just the worst. Like,
1: just, and again, I just don't understand.
0: Yeah. Like, I guess she's obsessed it? with him as well. I obsessed know. with him.
1: And like, uh, <laughs> I know people sort of get a bit of a. You know, people become attractive the more sort of successful they get. But, <laughs> but I still... I think there's got to be, like, an upper... Like, a, a threshold. <laughs> like, surely Diego's face was holding him back.
0: <laughs> Apparently not, though.
1: Apparently not. I don't understand.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, she... Yeah, and... I. It, It took a lot out of her, um, Diego's infidelities Mm. and his gallivanting. But that's not to suggest that the kind of dutiful Frida would sit at home crying for Diego. Because Mm. that wasn't her style at all. On the contrary, she took a lot of lovers for herself. Both male and female. Mm. And she partied as if it was going out of fashion. (laughs) Um, But I don't think she was ever really happy.
1: Yeah. Um, Also, one thing I heard was that Diego... Didn't mind her affairs with women, and he almost kind of encouraged them a bit. But it's the affairs with men that he got really hurt by. <laughs> I know such a typical fucking such
0: a fucking dude. Like, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he, I bet he encouraged them, little perv. Yeah, little fucking because
1: that's why. And I also Poppy-eyed
0: pervert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I also heard that well yeah do you remember when i was reading up about frida and um i found out that like sometimes diego would would have girlfriends and then kind of to get back at him frida would seduce them. Brilliant. <laughs> and then, so they both end up fucking this person <laughs> who's just sort of stuck in the middle which i think is a lot like if you've ever seen the film vicky christina barcelona <laughs> it's a lot like that it's just this like Just this person who ends up accidentally walking into this mad artistic (laughs) couple and ends up just getting into accidental kind of threesomes and (laughs) menage a trois with them. And they're like, hang on a minute, I... I went out for a drink with this guy and now I'm having (laughs) sex with his wife and I'm I'm in a painting where I'm a a baby. (laughs) What
0: What was it we were saying the other day? We were like, if Diego and Frida invite you around for dinner, just don't don't go. Just don't accept that you will end up shagging one or both of them. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) at least one of them will try and put it on you. At least once. <laughs> They're mad sex people. Yeah, Lynn, get away from them. They're, se- they
0: They're sex people. They're sex people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, also, I think to top it all off, um, when she was in America, she suffered quite a horrific miscarriage. Yeah, um, following a failed abortion and this kind of left oh. her hospitalised for, yeah, could you imagine? I didn't but, know I mean, about
1: the failed abortion bit. So
0: I think one of the things, Frida had a few abortions during her lifetime mm. but I think one of the re- I don't know, but I think one of the reasons is because she couldn't carry a child to term. Yeah. But clearly wasn't that interested in protection. So <laughs> I think she got pregnant um, yeah. and it was very dangerous for her to be pregnant. Yeah. So, and also, I think maybe she might have just had some abortions because she was like, look at the state of me and Diego. Like, we can't bring a child into this. <laughs> yeah. But it was something that she was kind of all over the place about. it. In yeah. some ways, it seemed to really torture her that she never managed to bring a child into the world. But mm. then in other ways, we do see... Which is not necessarily contradictory, but we do see that she did have abortions throughout her life. And mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she had a failed abortion um she ended up having quite a horrific miscarriage um she was in hospital for 2 weeks and this is where she painted the the really famous uh Henry Ford Hospital picture yeah which depicts her in a hospital bed with a kind of industrial landscape in the background mm. so she's naked and she's crying and the bed is covered in the blood that's coming out of her vagina yeah um she has like various umbilical cords coming out of her body that mm-hmm. are just attached to the craziest <laughs> shit like so I can
1: see here. <laughs> yeah. So there's this there's
0: there's one that's attached to a dead fetus, which yep. obviously makes sense. There's one that's attached to a broken pelvic bone. Yeah. Um and then, you know, there is others that are attached to like a medical illustration of a pregnant belly. Yeah. Um But then, for reasons (laughs) I would just never understand, (laughs) there are ones that are attached to giant snails.
1: (laughs) What's the snail
0: doing there? And what's the padlock? Like, is that a chastity belt?
1: What is that? I have no idea what that is. I wonder, hang on, all that the museum says about it is below, on the left... There is a machine. <laughs> like, oh, we don't fucking know what's going on. <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck's going on in this painting. Uh, in the middle, an orchid given to her by Diego. So that's what the flower is. Right. Okay. And then the pelvic bone on the. On Have they right. got any insight into the giant snail? <laughs> oh, uh, on the right, above the head of the bed, floats a snail. A symbol of the slowness of the abortion, according to Frida. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I wonder if the mechanism thingy... Because um, there is a view of the Ford Motor Company in the industrial city of Detroit, uh, Detroit, Detroit <laughs> on the horizon. So maybe... I wonder if the machine bit is anything to do with the fact that she's in Detroit and it's, like, it's like a motor yeah, manufacturing it's, it's town. Motor town. Um, but... but yeah I don't I don't understand although one thing I do think is um interesting about the two paintings that we've looked at so far is that when you see Frida she often paints herself naked but it's not in any way sexualized no it's like and I feel like that's I guess for a, a, a female artist painting herself and being in control of her image she can paint herself naked and she's kind of she's in control of your gaze and she's saying you might be looking at my boobs or you she she has like a massive bush in this painting yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) everything else but she's like you know this isn't sexy and I'm not trying to be sexy and there are other paintings where I think she is trying to be a bit sexy but um I think it for a female artist I feel like that's quite a revolutionary thing to, to be like I'm painting myself and I'm telling you now that I might be nude, but this isn't a sexy nude like all of the other nudes that you've yeah. seen in art. This is very much not that at all. I'm showing myself to you as a woman, but not in a male gaze, sexualized way. Yeah, no. So, yeah.
0: And I actually think Frida sort of did the... She almost did the opposite of sexualising herself. And a lot of the time, not always, Yeah, but a lot of the time she accentuated the parts of herself that were not classically beautiful so apparently yeah. she would actually put makeup on her monobrow to make oh. it look thicker which you know actually you, i fill in my eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> although i've never gone full hog and like filled in the middle
1: <laughs> There's right. that supermodel have you seen the supermodel who has the monobrow no I haven't oh well it also it's heartening she's like she's Cypriot as well so I'm like (laughs) of course you've got huge eyebrows you know hairy solidarity but she actually she used to not do it and now she's fully grown out I think she's called something oh I can't remember her name but she's like she's really famous on Instagram and she actively like dyes the whole thing now and makes it really and she's literally got like a full on Monobrow. monobrow
0: fair play to her like I fill in my eyebrows and I make them dark and thick, but I've never had the guts to go full monobrow. Like, I've never.
1: I've, I don't even, mine, I've now got to the point with plucking my eyebrows where they just grow out really weird, so I can't. It's (laughs) like, I get random spiky ones that come out vertically out of (laughs) my face, so I'm just like now i've crossed that bridge now. (laughs) and
0: she'd also like paint her mustache in heavier Ah. than than it actually was In i mean obviously like she had a tash like she had a monobrow she has not completely made these features up about herself
1: but it's interesting that she decides actually that's another thing about her controlling her image like she actively decides to play these things up yeah yeah that is really interesting So the
0: Henry Ford Hospital picture is, I think, a really good example where you are seeing Frida not just as a self-portraitist, but Frida as a surrealist artist. Mm. Um, There's no getting around it. Like, this is surrealism, what she's painting. Although, interestingly, apparently, that label was actually given to her by Andre Breton when he first viewed her work. So she didn't consider herself a surrealist artist until the granddaddy of surrealism... (laughs) himself kind of told her she was
1: yeah it makes sense especially these like weird things happening in these like weird landscapes yeah stuff like like that broken column one where she's just in this weird barren landscape and yeah it, it does make a lot of sense
0: eventually the mexican power couple left america for good after diego had a very public falling out with john d rockefeller um who had commissioned him to paint a bloody huge fresco in the rockefeller center called man at the crossroads and and this was commissioned in about 1934 and so in what i do consider personally quite a baller move um, diego decided to include the soviet leader vladimir lenin And also a Soviet-Russian Mayday parade inside this mural, (laughs) which obviously caused a media storm. Like, you can't have a homage to a bunch of commies hanging up in the Rockefeller Center. (laughs) So Diego being Diego, flatly refused to paint them out of the mural because uh, it went against his artistic and political ideals. Mm. Now, basically, I actually think this is quite a commendable stance for him to have taken. Although, as many have pointed out before me, where were these ideals when he was drinking Rockefeller champagne and kind of cashing Rockefeller checks? Yeah. And this is, you know, it's classic Diego. Diego was an extremely contradictory character. So on one hand, he was absolutely bloody minded and contrarian. But on the other hand, he was extremely open to flattery. Mm. And in one breath, he was a committed lifelong communist and... In the other, he was, you know, wowed by the industrial capitalism of America.
1: So I'm just looking at the painting now. <laughs> the thing is, if you try and find like Lenin, it's a bit like a where's Wally? You're like, <laughs> there's so many people in it awesome. that, that like, I will say there's Trotsky and yes. I've, there's Darwin. And yeah. There's like so many There's chiefs. a bit I love. So
0: over by Lenin somewhere, I've not mm. actually got the picture up, but over by Lenin somewhere, there's a guy that I'm absolutely convinced is Daniel Craig. I'm like, why is he just painted Daniel Craig into <laughs> this picture? I'm like, so there's Lenin stood next to 007.
1: <laughs> oh, I think I know who you mean. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> is it the man in the middle or is it the man like next to Lenin? So,
0: where are you, Daniel Craig? You're about, so it's not the man in the middle. It's somewhere in it, so the mural's huge and it yeah. really is like a where's Wally, but somewhere in this mural, there's a guy that looks exactly like Daniel
1: Craig. God, do you know what, I've not really looked at many of Diego Rivera's, um, like, murals, but there are a lot, I, mean, I don't know, I, d- I mean, to be honest, I'm going to put it out there, I much prefer Frida's work to yeah. Rivera's.
0: so this is another thing that I've noticed, right, like, dudes, dudes always like, actually I think you'll find that, like, Rivera was a much better painter than Frida, and I'm just Whatever. like, that's not true, <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> just... Also, like, I don't know.
0: He painted on an incredible scale, though. Like, yeah, his his murals are huge. And actually, interestingly, as we will go on to discuss, the Rockefeller mural no longer exists. Mm. However, it was reproduced in uh, Mexico City somewhere. So you can still go and see a reproduction of this painting, but on a smaller scale. Yeah. In the end, as I've just alluded to... J.D. Rockefeller had the mural publicly destroyed, so... And I actually believe he invited the press to watch as they tore it down and smashed it. Mm. Interestingly though, Rockefeller and Rivera never fell out personally. So Rockefeller continued to be a great fan of Diego's work. The big fallout really was just pageantry for the press because both men had painted themselves into a corner and neither could be seen to blink first mm-hmm. so they had to have this really big public falling out where they destroy the mural and 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 Diego walks off in a half but yeah. in reality they actually continued to have a friendship outside of this um, this sort of moment yeah but after this Diego's american dream was all but dead and Frida terribly homesick at the time just wanted to go back to mexico so that's what they did and this is when Frida moved into the famous blue house which is now a museum in mexico um and diego moved into the house next door to her which was painted pink
1: i like that i like the fact that Frida took the blue house and diego took the pink house (laughs) i don't know if there's any any importance in that in real life but i kind of like that
0: yeah and so their houses were connected by a bridge between them Which I, firstly, I just really like, because I'm like, yeah, man, keep your own houses. But like, they connected them with a bridge between them. And actually, she would make Diego come to her house. (laughs) Now, partly this was to do with the fact that she had mobility problems. So it was harder for her to walk across the bridge. But also she was like, come into my domain, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This house, the blue house, became an incredibly important bohemian hub for artists, revolutionaries, and free thinkers of the time, both in Mexico and abroad. However, Diego was in a really bad place at this point, so he'd been shunned by the Communist Party for his Trotskyism, and he'd been shunned by capitalists for his loyalty to the communist ideal. Which meant the work was drying up and also the marriage was, was failing. Um, so both of them were really heavy drinkers. Both of them were incredibly argumentative and had fierce tempers. And both were hurting. They, they were both in pain from all of the extramarital affairs, from the miscarriages, the abortions, and also the strain of Frida's failing body. Mm. Um, and this was around the time that she had just undergone an amputation of some gangrenous toes. Um, which added into this kind of, like, mobility problem for, for Frida. Mm. And I'm not making excuses for Diego, so all of that running is not excuses that I'm making for Diego, but this was also the point where I think Diego crossed the line and he did something absolutely unforgivable to Frida. Yeah. So he fucked her younger sister, Christina. Yeah. And this is the sister that she had the closest relationship with. They went to school together, they were very close in age, Mm. um and it was it was horrible this wasn't just infidelity this was complete and utter betrayal of uh Frida and Diego's part
1: yeah i feel like you know they they had an open-ish relationship and but to do that is just beyond the pale it is and you can imma- if if she was on the other foot that he would just not he he would go into the biggest sulk well we'll see later oh, on oh, it's oh, coming yeah. up yeah oh, we'll yeah. see later on all right i'll save it and
0: like Again, your sister, like, what is going through her head? Do you know what I mean? Like, you clearly love each other. And she's like, but I just can't resist this toad man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just can't, I can't resist this fucking gargoyle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want to know. What his? What was his what chat? It, what
0: were his moves? What were his moves? What was his chat? I feel like yeah, you know these pickup artists. I was literally
1: about to say. This.
0: <laughs> like, I was like, these pickup artists would all be like taking notes of what the fuck Diego was up to. Do you reckon Diego just negged the shit out of women, and that's why they all slept with him? Maybe.
1: <laughs> you yeah.
0: would not put it past it to be honest i'm
1: fascinated i really really want to know I, I ju- to be ooh, i mean to be a fly on that wall would be you can't unsee I,
0: I mean, oh god i, I don't f- think about diego fucking anybody yeah i, I don't like
1: diego in pictures is enough i think naked diego would just be ooh, too much so yeah, this, this, this particular
0: infidelity just smashed Frida's heart to pieces. And this was actually the first time that Frida left Diego and she moved into her own flat by herself. Mm. All three of them, however, did reconcile in 35. And I am I am actually very glad that she managed to maintain a strong and loving relationship with her sister yeah. and her nieces and nephews. I think that's that's really important to her. And obviously, you know, like sisters before misters. Mm. So I'm really glad that her and her sister could kind of put that behind them. I think it's hard to know what state Diego and Frida's marriage was in um, after this. Yeah, They obviously loved each other, but they were never really the same again. Mm. So in 1936... Frida got back into political activity and she joined the 4th International, becoming a founding member of a solidarity committee to provide aid to the Republicans in the Spanish Civil War. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was in this time that both her and Diego successfully petitioned the Mexican government to let the exiled Bolshevik leader, Leon Trotsky, remember that guy from earlier, (laughs) (laughs) um, claim asylum in Mexico. So they decided that they were going to host him and his wife, Natalia, in Don't the blue Don't accept the <laughs> invitation! They're sex people! <laughs> so, yeah, they were going to host him and his wife, Natalia, in the blue house. And as anybody with any sort of foresight could tell it ended up being a complete and utter disaster (laughs) so at first the couples actually got along famously they were all radicals they were all cultural intellectuals and it seemed like a great fit so trotsky himself as well as being a political leader wrote quite extensively on art and culture from a marxist perspective and even produced a book called literature and revolution which actually i have read and is really quite good Also, he is believed to be the ghostwriter behind the manifesto towards a free revolutionary art, which was published under Breton's name. Mm. Uh, But it's widely believed that Trotsky was actually the ghostwriter of this art Mm. manifesto. Okay. But the relationship degenerated after Frieda and Trotsky... Embarked on a short-lived but <laughs> um, intense, but intense affair. <laughs> affair.
1: So when Mexico flirted heavily with the Soviet Union, <laughs> international relations got <laughs> hot and heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so um,
0: yeah, this affair broke the hearts of both Diego and Natalia. And I actually just want to give a shout out to to Natalia at this point. As well, because you never hear about the story told from her point of view. Yeah, like, she's almost completely written out of this story. It's all about Trotsky, Frida, Diego, and their love triangle. Mm. Um, and I'll admit, I don't know anything about Natalia. Uh, like as a human, um, I basically only know her as being Trotsky's wife because of this story. But she was a person who was betrayed and heartbroken by this affair. Her life was already in pieces due to being married to Leon Trotsky. She was exiled, she was on the run, she was in fear of her life constantly. And she'd already lost both of her sons to the Stalinist purges.
1: Yeah, and also, bear in mind, she didn't have any other languages, so she could only speak Russian, she's on the run, she's gone to Mexico, can't speak English, can't speak Spanish. So she's trapped in a house with some creepy sex people. (laughs) And she can't, she has no idea what's, she obviously knows what's going on, but she also doesn't really know what's What's going going on. on. She's got no way of communicating. Also imagine like, okay, you don't, you can't, you don't speak the same language as the people you're living with. The people li- imagine you're living with Frida Kahlo and you see one of her paintings and you want to be like <laughs> what is that about? And you just can't. You've just moved in with someone who's like here's a painting of I did a painting of you and you're in my head, literally <laughs> in my forehead. <laughs> and there's a monkey over here. <laughs> And He's wearing a beret,
0: also, everything's covered in blood, and the blood's coming out of my vagina.
1: (laughs) And I'm crying, and you're crying, (laughs) and you can't just be like, Thanks, what does it mean? (laughs) So, I don't know.
0: Um, yeah, so you never hear about uh, kind of Trotsky's wife's perspective in this, it's always talked about as if it was Diego's heartbreak because obviously he has the much bigger. Like public profile, so that's how people remember it. Yeah. It is true though, the affair did break Diego's heart in much the same way the affair with Christina killed Frida. So like, to him, this wasn't just anybody she slept with. <laughs> this was his hero. This was Leon Trotsky. And he never, ever got over it. Like, he, co- he couldn't forgive it.
1: He should have just... I personally think he should have done a Frida and seduced Leon Trotsky himself. It would have been the ultimate countermean. It's like, oh, if you're so upset about it, why don't you just have sex with Leon Trotsky? (laughs) God. If you love him so much. much.
0: (laughs) So, um, actually Diego picked a different (laughs) route. Um, and the animosity became, between the group was was palpable and diego would do everything he could to purposely agitate trotsky at any opportunity he could find so, <laughs> so he would do things like trolling him by leaving portraits of stalin that he painted <laughs> in trotsky's bedroom now bear in mind this is the guy that's just murdered both his sons is probably going to have him executed this is like <laughs> his- how petty what's that thing you said as well you were like it's such a diego brand of trolling yeah. <laughs> so he like trolls rockefeller by putting lenin in the mural oh yeah <laughs> then he like trolls trotsky by putting pictures of Stalin also, all over the house how
1: passive aggressive <laughs> is that imagine <laughs> my- <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> he's just I, such
0: a little like uh so i just i can't also just get a bit of f- perspective like get a bit of self-awareness you've literally been shagging everything that moves forever
1: he's like i know i fucked your actual biological sister <laughs> but you fucked my ideological sister brother <laughs> and that goes deeper and so i'm gonna have a big sulk now
0: um so eventually like relations between the two couples were so bad that trotsky <laughs> decided to leave the relative safety of the blue house and in 1940 leon trotsky was assassinated by the stalinist agent ramon McAdair, uh, in mexico city That, to me, is completely fucking bonkers. (laughs) Like, so, (laughs) one of arguably the most significant historical events of the 20th century took place... Because Frida couldn't keep it in her pants. <laughs> like, literally, like, she is the epitome of, like, crazy life-destroying pussy. <laughs> like,
1: she is, Don't like, go to their house.
0: Don't go to their house. Bad <laughs> things all happen. Also, I love, like, like, it, like, I love Leon Trotsky... Like, just because you stormed the Winter Palace, mate, doesn't make you ready for Frida's Pleasure Palace. (laughs) Like, that's going to be the thing that destroys you. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, anyway, I digress, but I just, I I find that one of the most bonkers, like, twists of history.
1: Yeah, that he got assassinated because Frida put the pussy on him. (laughs) That's unbelievable. Death, technically, death by pussy. Really, not <laughs> yeah. death by ice pick. No, no, no. Was it? Was it an ice? Pick? It was.
0: It was. It was an ice pick in the back of his skull, wasn't it? Oh my god. Or oh, was it? In, I don't. I don't know. Was when that the just ice pick Was but I
1: don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it
0: was definitely an ice pick that they did him in with. Oh but I don't god. know. It was definitely in his head, but I don't know which bit of his head. Yeah. So, and actually, in fact, Frida was suspected of being involved in Trotsky's assassination due to the recent history between the two of them and the fact that she knew the murderer personally. So, the Mexican, like, police were like, well, clearly she's involved in this um which also is just involved. quite sexist i mean she was involved in it but, but she didn't yeah. actually have no, it
1: assassinated. no. i mean <laughs> i think that's the last thing she probably wanted but, yeah. yeah no you're right i think that is quite sexist. they're just like it must be the woman <laughs> but like
0: yeah i mean as much as we joke and actually i sort of joke with the most love in the world i'm like <laughs> yeah put the crazy pussy on it baby <laughs> 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 but um yeah so she ended up spending two days in a jail cell um yes. over the the assassination of um trotsky until diego used his really quite considerable sway to get her free it was also in this period between trotsky leaving the blue house and getting assassinated that the cheeky fucking bastard diego asked frida for a divorce <laughs> And I can't get over, I actually can't fucking get over it. <laughs> like, he was like,
1: that was the final straw, Frida.
0: <laughs> After everything that she stuck with him through, he actually had the audacity to go all sad boy on her because she banged his like hero. Oh, Just like, God. oh cry, mate. Just cry. <laughs> I, I I I that was the bit of the story that maddened me the most. I was like, this guy has no absolutely no concept of like, what's cricket? He's yeah. He's just well out of town. <laughs> yeah. So, propelled by her need to earn a living independently of Diego, the, f- the divorce actually ushered in the most productive and creative artistic periods of uh, Frida's life. And this is when she painted probably her most form- famous portrait of all, mm. which is self-portrait with thorn necklace and hummingbirds. Yeah. So this is the really famous one where actually I think a lot of the reproductions of Frida's face are kind of taken from. Yeah. Um so she's staring defiantly at the viewer. Yeah. Her iconic monobrow and mustache are on full display. Her hair's like piled up on the top of her head in the in the really iconic Frida braids. And they're covered in butterflies and flowers and, like, ribbons. Mm. And I I think the effect is not on, like, a halo. It looks as though she has a halo around her head yeah. when she wears her hair like that. Her neck is bloodied and gashed from a fawn choker that's around it. And yeah. that choker seemingly could have been lifted directly from the head of the crucified Christ himself. Like, it's mm. the same thing. The fawn of crowns, the fawn, the fawn choker, they're the same thing. Yeah in the portrait she has two of her adopted children on her shoulders so on one side she has her pet monkey because as we've discussed at great length you can't be an artist without a monkey apparently
1: always gotta have a pet
0: monkey gotta have a pet monkey if you're an artist <laughs> and on the other shoulder she has her little black cat sitting Aww. on her
1: i do feel sorry for those animals there. imagine <laughs> your your owners if you zoom in on that painting right
0: frida's all like oh i'm so anguished everything's so terrible look at my bloody neck and the monkey just having a great time
1: (laughs) 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 monkey looks so happy and then the cat's got a kind of crazy expression which is a lot like what our cat looks like actually it's <laughs> a real like oh god where's it where's it gonna go also i didn't realize the hummingbird is like hanging off her choker yeah it's like it's like a dead like effigy that's yeah. like seems
0: to be connected to her choker by you know uh, metal or something it's, yeah. it's very odd it's clearly like a dead hummingbird hanging off her neck
1: i wonder if it like well, i don't know i'm just seeing but i'm trying to find out if the hummingbird means anything or if it's just a Oh, apparently a hummingbird often symbolises freedom and life. But in this painting, the hummingbird is black and lifeless. (laughs) This might be a symbol of Frida herself. (laughs) (laughs) According to (laughs) FridaCarlo.org.
0: This is kind of the first Frida painting I was actually really fascinated by. And I think it's the defiance of this painting that I find so compelling. Mm. It's her refusal to hide away that I love so much. Um... So, actually, this is just just a little aside, but this painting used to hang in the art corridor in my secondary school when I was a teenager. And I used to stare at it literally every day before form time because I had to walk past it every single day before we could go to form. Mm. And I would just, like, stare at it when we were lined up outside waiting to go into the classroom. And what started out for me as basically teenage disgust because this weird woman was just showing her, like, monobrow off without shame quickly turned into a bit of an obsession which sort of turned into awe and then eventually turned into love mm. and it actually is this kind of it, it it's this painting that that sparked my interest in Frida Kahlo to begin with it, yeah it had a very big impact on me at 14 years old as much as again we're oversaturated with Frida images these days we see it all the time I had never seen anything like this when I was 14 I had never seen a woman looking like that mm. and I'd never seen a woman being that proudly herself before,
1: yeah, and like just holding your gaze,
0: yeah, holding your gaze, re- like refusing to let you look away, and just like this, this is me, hair all over the place, <laughs>
1: <laughs> with my monkey and my cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it had it had a big, big impact on kind of teenage Ellie. Mm. It was also in this period that P- that Frida painted another one of my favourite uh self-portraits of hers which is something that we've alluded to earlier which is self-portrait with cropped hair oh yeah so here you see frida she's on a wooden chair she's dressed in men's clothing again um and as i as i say as a teenager and a young child she was a cross-dresser she sort of got rid of all of that but then in this painting she's dressed in men's clothing again and all her hair has been cut off and it's laying on the floor around her Mm. And if you can kind of see at the top of the image, there's a scroll of Spanish lyrics um, to a song. And those say, look, if I loved you, it was because of your hair. Now that you are without hair, I don't love you anymore. (laughs) And yeah... (laughs) Mean, <laughs> and this painting was painted shortly after her divorce from Diego, mm. and I think what we're seeing in this painting, this is Frida Di Diego in her life. So <laughs> this is Frida getting rid of the braids and the Mexican dress that that Diego was so fond of. Yeah, this is her ridding herself of all of the kind of traditionally feminine symbols and rejecting her role as wife and matriarch. Mm. It's so Frida, and yet it is so universal. Frida is every woman who's ever cut off her hair after a messy breakup, which is something that a lot of us have done. This is something that, like, talk to your girlfriends, or if you're, you know, if you're not a woman, talk to your girlfriends. When a woman changes her hair, she's trying to change her life. (laughs) Like, a lot of us cut our hair off after messy breakups. Frida, in this picture, could be 2007 Britney Spears. (laughs) She's kind of in the salon chair, tracksuit on, shaving off her, like, beautiful blonde locks while the world looks on in shock. It's the same thing, just years and years before. Um, This period of Frida's life also saw Frida's biggest commercial successes. So she had three exhibitions feature her work in 1940. So the fourth international surrealist exhibition in Mexico City, Mm -hmm. the Golden Gate International Exposition in San Francisco, and 20 Centuries of Mexican Art um, in the MoMA in New York. Um, which is, you know, that's huge. Like, being exhibited in the Museum of Modern Art is is a huge feat.
1: So that self-portrait with cropped hair, I think, is is now hangs in the MoMA. Oh, does it? To, I'm just looking, because that's where I found the picture um, to look at. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, she's now, she's got her place. She's got her place. in In the big museums. So, eventually...
0: <clears throat> Frida and Diego remarried um but the years of separation had not been kind to Frida and her body was clearly failing this was only exacerbated by her rampant alcoholism they clearly loved and longed for and missed each other very much but I think the second marriage was much more of a platonic union than a romantic union and it was much less tumultuous for it Mm. Uh, they were less codependent Uh, they they maintained separate homes and I actually think Frida remarried Diego on the condition that she would never have to have sex with him (laughs) to the point where it was written into a contract that (laughs) Diego had to sign she's like fine I'll marry you but I'm not fucking you
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like how he was like okay
0: this is also around the time that Frida started to gain notoriety as a painter in her own right in Mexico. Mm. And during this period, she had her one and only solo show in Mexico. But she was dying. And mm. I also think she really was genuinely quite, quite crazy by this point. Yeah, The constant agony, the alcoholism, the syphilis. Just use protection. <laughs> like, yeah. The syphilis God. and Diego had all taken their toll on her mind. And she actually... I mean, in some ways great, in other ways sad. She actually had to be carried into her own uh exhibition in Mexico in her bed because she was unable to hold herself up. God. So in the film, and obviously this is dramatized, I'm not sure if it really happens. In yeah. the film, the doctor says you are to get out of this bed, like you are not to get out of this bed under any condition. Yeah. And she goes fine and has the bed carried into the um yeah. has the bed carried into the show. Now, obviously that's dramatised, but I do think that, yeah, there is like a level of that kind of defiance she's like i will not miss this show it doesn't matter what's happening with my body or Mm. how much i'm dying i'm not going to miss this um so she did she she turned up at her own show in in a bed and there's photos of it you can you can see it all over the place Mm. her and diego remained politically active as much as her health allowed um and she did end up rejoining the communist party of mexico and actually they both capitulated to stalinism with diego i'm less sure why i think that there was a huge amount of just pressure to to capitulate to stalinism
1: okay
0: like i say like it was really unpopular to to not be on stalin's side at the time Mm. um so there was a huge amount of social pressure i also think probably there was a level to which it was beneficial to his career yeah and i also think that he never got over that affair with Frida. And so yeah, he was like, I fuck s- you, I'm back in Stalin.
1: <laughs> I was about to say, I wonder as well if they were kind of like, well, look, Trotsky was in your house and then, you know, yeah. what went on? Yeah. And he was like, don't we know, it's fine, it's fine, I'm with you guys now, it's fine. Yeah. Like, don't want to go over that. That's yeah. past history. <laughs> so actually, by the end of her
0: life, Frida was a devout Maoist which actually doesn't surprise me due to Mao's focus on sort of peasant revolt and mm. his third worldism which I always think was kind of part of Frida's anti-colonialist politics anyway it, she was always yeah, leaning yeah. that way anyway
1: and I guess obviously with the benefit of hindsight we can be like oh god she was a Maoist but I suppose at the time she might have been like oh wow this guy's like
0: you're absolutely bang on yeah. like so yeah obviously with the benefit of hindsight we know exactly what stalin and mal were up to and yeah. it's terrible like it's it's a stain on history it's it's really really awful but they weren't living in an age of like mass media and twitter and constant updates and like people talking from the ground you did not know Mm. and what was coming out of the soviet union would have been heavily controlled oh yeah um and i i imagine what was coming out of china at the time would have been heavily controlled Mm. and i don't it wasn't like you know even up until the 70s like, Maoism was really popular and trendy. Yeah. Like, people, loads of people had a copy of Mao's Little Red Book and, like, Mm. stuff like that. It it was a really popular, trendy thing, right up until the 70s. And this is, you know, this is kind of the early 50s that she became a devout Maoist. So it's easy for us to judge with hindsight. Mm. I think it's harder to sort of know what was going on on the ground.
1: Yeah, or what she would have known of. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, if she'd got Mao's elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> she might have just been like, Yeah, no, I'm mumming to this guy. I like what he's <laughs> like, the carpers' gym.
0: <laughs> yeah, the end was so bad that by her death in 54, she'd worn 28 separate supportive corsets, varying from steel and leather to plaster. She also had unsuccessful spinal surgery and her right leg had been amputated. Mm. And actually you found, you came across a really funny letter, didn't you? I found
1: an incredible (laughs) letter. So this is the letter that she wrote in 1953 when literally just before she was going to go into surgery to have her leg amputated. This was a letter she wrote to Diego. If you wanted to know the dynamic of their relationship in a nutshell... (laughs) This is this letter. So she writes... (laughs) My dear Mr. Diego. (laughs) formal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing this letter from a hospital room before I am admitted into the operating theatre. They want me to hurry, but I am determined to finish writing first as I don't want to leave anything unfinished, especially now that I know what they are up to. They want to hurt my pride by cutting a leg off. I mean, I think it's probably... (laughs) For medical reasons. (laughs) (laughs) When they told me it was necessary to amputate, the news didn't affect me the way everybody expected to. No, I was already a maimed woman when I lost you. Again, for the umpteenth time maybe, but still I (laughs) survived. It's quite stream of consciousness. She's so extra. So dramatic. Oh wait, here we go. This is, she's really into her flow now. (laughs) I am not afraid of pain and you know it. It is almost inherent to my being, although I confess that I suffered a great deal when you cheated on me every time you did it, not just with my sister, but with so many other women. (laughs) How did they let themselves be fooled by you? I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah. You're saying what we're all thinking. You believe I was furious about Christina, but today I confess that it wasn't because of her. It was because of me and you. First of all, because of me, since I've never been able to understand what you looked and look for, what they give you that I couldn't. Let's not fool ourselves, Diego. I gave you everything that is humanly possible to offer, and we both know that. But still, how the hell do you manage to seduce so many women when you're
0: such an ugly son of a bitch? <laughs> Frida, again, just being the voice of everybody.
1: <laughs> I like that she wrote this and thought this might be the last letter I write. <laughs> She's just getting it all out there. <laughs> You're an ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> The reason why I'm writing is not to accuse you of anything more than we've already accused each other of in this and however many more bloody lives. It's because I'm having a leg cut off. (laughs) Yeah, we know. Damn thing. It got what it wanted in the end. I told you, I've counted myself as incomplete for a long time. But why the fuck does everybody else need to know about it too? Now my fragmentation will be obvious for everyone to see, for you to see. That's why I'm telling you before you hear it on the grapevine. Forgive my not going to your house to say this in person. But giving the- I don't really know what you've said. It's very <laughs> rambly. But given the circumstances and my condition, I'm not allowed to leave the room, not even to use the bathroom. It's not my intention to make you or anyone else feel pity and I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm writing to let you know I'm releasing you. I'm amputating you. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Be happy and never seek me again. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want you to hear from me. If there is anything I'd enjoy before I die, it'd be not having to see your fucking horrible bastard face wandering around my garden. <laughs> like at
0: this point, she's got like full Mrs.
1: Havisham. Yeah, she's just fucking mental. <laughs> and then she says, "That is all. I can now go to be chopped up in peace. Goodbye, from somebody who is crazy and vehemently in love with you, Your Frida." <laughs> see your ugly
0: bastard face in my garden again i love you more than anything else in the world
1: (laughs) in many ways exactly like the cat (laughs) i love you i love you so much i hate you don't touch me (laughs) yeah it's incredible just love that she got it all out she was like if i if i make it just i never want to see you again despite the fact that we live next door to each other
0: (laughs) (laughs) Keep your ugly, bastard face out of my garden. (laughs) Uh. So, after the loss of her leg um, and the death of her father, Frida fell into, like, a deep, deep depression and just sort of gave up. She became hooked on pain meds, again, like the cat. (laughs) Was basically just a recluse. So, in her last days, she attended a demonstration against the CIA's invasion of Guatemala. Which made her health much worse. And a few days later, on the night of the 12th of July, 1954, she died in bed at the age of 47. So she was very, very young when she died. Mm. And although an autopsy was never conducted, it is widely believed by the people around her that she committed suicide. She purposely overdosed on pain medication.
1: Yeah.
0: A theory that's bolstered by the fact that she had tried suicide before, obviously unsuccessfully, Um, And also she gave Diego his anniversary present the night before she died, even though it was two weeks early. Mm. And when you started showing me that picture of the two faces put together, I'm like, is that the thing she gave him the night before she died? Could you imagine if that was the
1: last thing she gave him? Hang on, let let me see the date. What year is it? 1944 oh no
0: it's not yeah no it's 10 years too early because i I was like wait is that the thing she gave him the night before she died so yeah she gave diego the anniversary present the the even though it was it was two weeks early so most people believe that she was planning to die that night frida's body was lay was actually laid in state at the palace of fine art in mexico city And one of her former students caused quite a stir by draping her body, uh, with a communist flag. Mm. Um, and so apparently they'd already been told not to turn it into a political event, but then Diego (laughs) refused to remove the flag from around her body because it's what she would have wanted. So around 600 mourners attended her funeral, um, and Diego himself ended up dying just three years later. So he really didn't survive Frida for that long. Mm. Crazy in love. After her death, Frida fell into complete obscurity for years and years and years. Mm. Uh, She was not heard of. That was until she was rediscovered in the 1970s when kind of second wave feminists and uh, Chicano movements brought her back into the popular consciousness as a kind of folk hero. Yeah. From there, her star just continued to grow until in 84... Uh, Mexico then decided to make her work part of their national cultural heritage, prohibiting the export of her work from the country. Mm. Mania is a term that's been coined to describe the complete saturation of Frida images that we see in popular culture today. So from t-shirts to mugs to plates and jewellery, I've literally been advertised the Frida Kahlo shower curtain, <laughs> which is just like...
1: <laughs> well, I mean... We've talked about... We have this game, don't we? Yeah. It's, like, it's like a game on WhatsApp of, like, if we see something where they've clearly tried to use a picture of Frida, <laughs> but they've just massively fucked up her face. you got it
0: so wrong. Like, like the, oh, I mean... It, there was a mug that we saw a little while ago. It killed me. There was a mug that we showed that we saw a little while ago. It was like a hand-painted Frida mug that was... Well, it was supposed to be Frida Kahlo and looked exactly like Michael Jackson. <laughs> I was like, what have you done? So like, this is the most misused image in the world. I yeah. just... It's... Yeah. And
1: I think that's why everyone just... I guess doesn't... People just don't give her enough credit as an artist because a, her it, her image has totally taken over. Yeah. And that one image has just taken over so much. And like, I've seen it printed on like dress fabric. Yeah. I've seen it. Tote bags is a really tote popular one. I've seen the ones I've sent you and they've kind of made her look a bit like a man. And I'm like, <laughs> she's this dainty little woman yeah. and she's given her a massive jaw. Given her A bit of a pre-Raphaelite treatment. Yeah. Um, and this is the other thing. Yes, yeah, so they've kind of commodified her image. Yeah. And put it on literally everything. And um, but to the point where I guess her her image is so just like in the public domain that people get her wrong all, all the, time, the time which is why you but you still know it's her you know it's free i think it's the
0: flowers that make and you go monobrow. that. The, the flowers and the monobrow make you go that's free. because like i've literally seen tattoos which is just like a flower crown and a monobrow, monobrow. and it's clearly frida carlo like, yeah there was a makeup brush
1: brand that uh, did a frida carlo collection recently and, insane and, and, and it was literally just like yeah the makeup bag was just the monobrow and some flowers yeah. on it so yeah that is she had a very strong personal brand Brand. and
0: she knew it she knew it she cultivated it she knew what she was doing and like i remember thinking as well when i got advertised that shower curtain i was like there's already one frida that watches me shower i don't need another one like (laughs) could you imagine seeing frida's face every time you're like washing your hair yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean it's just insane like freedom mania is insane as we've discussed um her monobrows plastered across everything She's in that Disney film, Coco. Which
1: is, what is it she says? There's a work of art and it will be a papaya, but all of the seeds of the papaya are me. be me. me.
0: And, then, and then something will explode. And when it explodes, everything that comes out will, will be, be me. me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there'll be a hundred other Frieda's come onto the stage with me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah she, also, that Salma Hayek biopic, Frida yeah. was the highest grossing art film in Hollywood history. It
1: is a great film.
0: Even the former Conservative Prime Minister of the UK turned up to Tory party conference wearing a Frida Kahlo bracelet, which is just kind of unbelievable when you think about it. Like, in life, Frida was a revolutionary communist. She was a groundbreaking, fearless, queer, incredibly promiscuous, foul-mouthed, whiskey-swigging artist. You couldn't get further away from conservative values if you tried. Yeah. Um, And Theresa May's walking around wearing Frida Kahlo's, like, (laughs) uh, image on her body.
1: Yeah. That's how far detached it is from the woman herself now. Yeah.
0: Frida Mania also seems to be a phenomenon that's almost completely driven by women of our age. Mm. So apparently 75% of visitors to the Blue House every year are women aged between 24 and 45. It is this weird dichotomy because as we've said over and over again, Frida is a pop culture icon um, who has become completely divorced from Frida the person. So Frida the image really no longer has anything to do with Frida the person. Mm. And of course some people are just jumping on the bandwagon because it's so trendy. But I don't think this accounts for all of it. Yeah. I also think there is a thing about Frida speaking to women. Especially women who feel a bit out of place. Mm. So, um, and maybe that's something that we all do. Maybe all women have that feeling of of not really being able to fit into whatever it means to be a woman. Mm. So, you know, women who don't fit conventional beauty standards, women who feel stifled by conventional gender roles, women who are overtly emotional, women who feel too much, um...
1: Women who are into monkeys. (laughs)
0: Women who are into monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) They all find a voice in Frida. And I think it's this ability to speak to women around the world that kind of explains her enduring legacy. It's her ability to take the personal and make it universal that Mm. marks her out. And that is kind of what great artists do, right? Like great artists become the voice of a generation or in Frida's case, become the voice of multiple generations of women. And I think it all kind of ties back to that diego point that i made at the top of the show which is nobody paints the unique pain of women the way frida does Mm. and i think that's part of the world's fascination with her
1: thanks for listening to this episode if you enjoyed it please like subscribe and leave a review as it makes a huge difference and if you want to follow us you can find us on facebook which is at is it art though spelled t-h-o Instagram, which is is isit underscore art though, or Twitter, which is is isitarttho1. See you next time.